The level of connection you feel in your home dramatically influences your experiences there. Get the tools to control that connection in your communities with the first multifamily platform that unifies management and resident experiences to create smart apartments. Talk to a RealPage consultant today to see how your properties can meet the future of multifamily with the Smart Building Suite. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on cranberry.fm, episode 292. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local. Today, we have a special episode for you. We are interviewing Joey Hawkins, a Google My Business top contributor, owner of Sterling Sky, Inc., and creator of the Expert's Guide to Local SEO. Welcome, Joey. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming. You know, I've been a reader of your content for a while now, and I've always been impressed by the timeliness and uh, the detail. So uh, when Mike uh, reached out to me, Mike Blumenthal reached out to me to introduce you, well, <laughs> no introduction was required, that's for sure. So glad you came <laughs> on. Nice. Awesome. It's good, too, because Ross doesn't read very much at all. Just the fact that he read your stuff is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually true. I try to avoid as much reading as I can. I don't have time. So I always put it on the people I know are going to have the most current data. So there you go. Wow, I feel honored. Well, I don't think there's anyone more current. I think even Mike Blumenthal says you're most current. So that's, that's something to be said for that. Um, <laughs> uh, in fact, um, it's actually a little later on in this. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll get to it later. <laughs> there's a few <laughs> questions. I should go in the order I put it in. So, so Joy, tell us, let's just start with something really basic. How did you get started in the industry? I mean, I only started hearing about you from about a year ago, but then it's quite possible that... Uh, uh, you know, it's such a big industry now. So how, how long have you yeah. been in the industry? Uh, I started in 2006 uh, working for a marketing company that sold PPC ads. And uh, they weren't a good company at all. <laughs> I didn't stay no. with them for very long. <laughs> um, but it got me interested and intrigued in learning in SEO. And uh, then I got hired on eight years ago for the company that I used to work for um, in Prezio Marketing. Worked there for eight years. And um, I think I really started to kind of push myself out there in the space when I joined the top contributor program for Google My Business. So I know Mike Blumenthal was one of the people that kind of inspired me to get involved there because he's a top contributor. And I was like, what is this about? Um, So I think when I started getting into that, then I started um, looking at speaking opportunities and went and spoke at SMX and then got a column on search engine land and just kind of started putting information out there. So so you you asked a good question. What is a top contributors for our listeners who might not know? Yeah, so it's actually not really well known, which is surprising because the I find the benefits of the program are, are really awesome with the line of work that I do. So essentially, Google has forums for all their different products. So, you know, like Chrome and Android and all that. Um, I specifically work on the Google My Business forum, and we get thousands of posts, you know, from users that come on that are like, help, how do I verify my listing? Or why am I not ranking? And you know, all that kind of stuff. And essentially, we, the top contributors, kind of like run the forum. Um, and we are able to send certain cases to Google to get their help on stuff. So 
So if we have someone, you know, that's reporting spam or um, someone that's got an issue or a bug that they're, you know, running into, we can actually grab Google on the back end and pull them in and um, solve problems that way. And it's a, it's a cool program because it um, involves Google flying us out there usually annually. They pay for us to come out. Um, so I've been to Google's head office many times and um, pay for all our expenses while we're there. And then we get to meet with like the product team um, that works on the product that we use. So it's really awesome. Like I literally get to sit in a room and grill Google on what I hate and what I love about Google My Business and give them feedback that they actually listen to. So wow. it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. I, I love the program. Very nice. So you have to be there every day though, don't you? <laughs> It took me about a year or so of posting regularly and helping users to become a top contributor. I'd say you could get there a little faster these days because we're so overwhelmed, but it does uh, depend on how helpful your answers are. And, you know, if users are liking them, like you can't just go post like a crazy person and, you know, <laughs> not be helpful at all. We've seen people count, do that. <laughs> Keep John out of there. I was going to say it counts me out. <laughs> but it, it, is a, it definitely is like a, a commitment, right? Because I mean, I, I post on there many times a week and helping users and stuff. And that's kind of the definition of being a top contributor at it. But I find right. it really useful for my line of work. It's really interesting because that's that's kind of the way I got into this to 20 some years ago, but it wasn't Google forums. It was just like forums out there and mm -hmm. it, it you know, ended up contributing. I went first to learn. Then I started answering questions. I became a moderator on the forums and started speaking at conferences. It sounds yep. like a very, very similar path. Want those bulletin boards? Yeah. <laughs> bulletin boards, forums, yeah, all the, the whole thing. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So for businesses that have already covered you know, or sorry, for the sake of listeners here, I'm jumping let my questions here. For the sake of listeners who are not very familiar with local SEO, what, I know this is really basic, but let's get this <laughs> the basics out of the way. What is it and what are the basic requirements to show in search as a local business? Yeah, so you know, local SEO is SEO for small businesses that service the community that they're near. So, you know, like a dentist or a plumber um, or a doctor or something like that. And usually a local SEO is also referring to the map listings that pull up. So, you know, when you go to your, your phone or your computer and you type in auto insurance Toronto and you get a map that has three results on it, that's generally also kind of referred to as part of local SEO, but it also involves, you know, all the organic stuff as well. Okay. Um, so for business, like what, what is, what do they have to do to get there? You know, just being a local business, what does it take just to even show up even the most basic? Well, if we had a week, I might be able to go into all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 200 or so ranking factors. So, um, you know, when I'm doing cases and consultations, it's never one thing. Um, you know, off the top of my head, there's some things that, um, are pretty commonly known, like, you know, getting backlinks to your site and having a properly optimized website and getting reviews on your listing. But some of the more detailed kind of harder things, um, there's, there's a lot of them. Like there's probably several hundred different things that kind of decide who gets to be first, second or third. And, and of course you've touched on every single one, your experts guide to local SEO, right? <laughs> I touched on <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> uh, matter anyways. I mean, I try to come up with tactics and things that people don't know. So my focus and the reason why I, you know, titled it like the expert guide, it's supposed to be advanced training. It is not for someone who is not familiar with SEO. So if it's yeah. like, you know, this person that's starting to read it has like no knowledge of how, what a title tag is or, you know, why your site should be fast. 
this book is not for them. It's for people that are working in local SEO or um, maybe they have an SEO background and want more advanced, you know, knowledge. <laughs> so, so I know we're jumped into your book, but I, I did have a question about that. How do you keep it up to date that the process of publishing a book takes so long, but the time you write it, between the time you write it and the time it hits the bookstores or it goes into print, um, you know, yeah. a lot of things could change. How, how do you de- how do you deal with that? So it's electronic. That helps. <laughs> that does help. Um, yes. So basically when the person buys the book, they get, you know, the, the version that it's um, at when they buy it. But every single month, basically, I have hours, countless hours devoted to updating it. And not just adding stuff, but also updating the processes that are in there already to make sure that they still work because Google constantly changes things and articles I even wrote like a year ago, some of them don't work anymore. Like the stuff I was talking about in them at that point. So it's definitely a constant process. I knew that in order to keep it good, I had to have like hours each month where I sat there and continually added stuff to it. Good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. So I, you know, we we want to don't do a soft pitch here. You know, obviously, but since we're in this topic now, so what what does it cost, and how can you you finance that in a way? Because that's obviously a lot of work if someone's just bought a book. Yeah, so it's we priced it based on like training. So can you know consider what you'd pay to go get some type of certification or training or go to a conference. You know, and I think like SMX conferences cost you know like two grand or something like that. Um, so it's $14.99 is the price for the initial book, about 160 pages long. And then it's $29 a month um, to get the subscription. So the subscription is really where I guess the, the value gets to there because, you know, years upon years of trying to pay someone to update your internal manuals for your agency would be a lot more expensive than 30 bucks a month. Mm, um, no doubt. But the initial cost, we, we priced it kind of based around um, what SEO training was you know, going for out there because it is really long. Mm-hmm. And um, the goal is like, I was trying to cram in my, you know, 11 years of experience and all the kind of secrets and things I've been hesitant to publish publicly are all included in there. So, you know, stuff that I was like, well, I'm afraid Google might uh, get rid of that option if I make them realize it exists. Uh, <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, no problem. So for businesses that have already covered the basics and appear in local results, um, how can they move the needle? That's one thing I get a question a lot about, um, mm-hmm. especially because I well, I deal with a lot of clients that are, do local SEO as well. And, you know, they have decent pr- pr- decent exposure, but moving that needle is becomes very difficult. You know, they, they've got their basics done. Their citations are showing well. They've got reviews. They could always have more. I find that's like pulling teeth, but they, they, they can do it. Um, they have some content, but I do think that's one area they could work on. What in, again? I realize this is being broad. This is a broad mm-hmm. question. So in in terms of popularity, what would you say is a is one of the first steps to moving that needle? Yeah, I would say you know you hear people say content is important, and that's a very generic statement. But what I've found, especially for local businesses, is sometimes there's a few articles that I see that get tons of traction um, and tons of conversions. So, you know, for small business owners, they're getting asked day in, day out, like the same types of questions from their customers. They're solving some problem for one of their customers and creating more like articles, like how to's and um, Mm. like tactics that people basically are researching can be huge. I have seen several industries like really win at this where, um, you know, you take a, a really commonly asked question and you write a really killer piece of content that answers it in like a list format and 
all that kind of stuff. And they get more conversions off of that than they would ever off of some location page or some service area page that they created on their site. And I think it applies to any industry. Great. Okay, well, you know what? I think uh, we've got a ton of questions. There. We're, we're writing them as we go here. So why don't we just take a quick break and we come back. We're going to j- dive into some uh, some of the nitty gritty here and, and see what we can. We can. <laughs> we'll be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. How much are your best ideas worth? PriorThings.com gives you an added layer of protection for all of your intellectual property, ideas, and creative things. New business idea, pitch deck, PowerPoint presentation, song lyrics, source code, killer blog posts. We help you protect it all. How do we do it? We use the same technology platform that secures transactions for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Learn more at PriorThings.com. Check out exclusive listener pricing for Cranberry Radio listeners by going to bit.ly slash Founders Circle. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Welcome back to SEO 101 on Cranberry.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Today, we're interviewing Joey Hawkins, a Google My Business top contributor, owner of Sterling Sky, Inc., and creator of the Expert's Guide to Local SEO. So just a, a, a quick... Uh, add on from what the last thing uh, we were talking about there which is you know what how do you move that needle and improve once you've got rankings <laughs> what about the uh, <clears throat> the boring industries <laughs> like <laughs> lawyers and dentists and the stuff where frankly it is agony trying to get this content and making anything that would really that's not already done somewhere yeah so i mean and i can tell lawyers and tell you content like that works phenomenally for them i can't tell you how many lawyer sites i've done audits for who their top page on their site is something like explaining a specific law or like, you know, how um, a DUI works and like, you know, what you can and can't do if, if you've got one it, for gotcha. that specific state, you know, like you can make super hyper local content. Um, and I remember running into a criminal lawyer that had that exact setup. Um, as far as other, you know, things other than content, I think there's a lot of stuff on the Google My Business end that people forget about. 
So one thing I know is attributes. Um, Google My Business started showing attributes inside the dashboard recently, but people fail to realize that what they see inside the dashboard is different than what users can add to their listing on mobile devices. So if you're a restaurant, for example, a user that goes to your restaurant can actually go onto their phone and vote if you're like cozy or if your environment is nice or if you have a, um, a good setting. You can't add any of that stuff yourself inside the Google My Business dashboard. So like coming up with a strategy to encourage users to um, leave reviews along with also answering some of those questions can be a really good um, way to succeed as well. I, I love, uh, I, I say this facetiously, but how they uh, add things. I swear, are they doing this for points, for local user points? I think they are because there's the most ridiculous add-ons like uh, has no pool table. Yeah. Has no, oh my God. <laughs> the ones they <laughs> offer to business owners are really stupid sometimes. The ones that they offer to users are better. So that's why I was you know, advising a lot of business owners, like go on your phone, look up your business listing as a user and see what questions you can answer um, as a user, not necessarily as a business owner, because they're different. Um, and the user ones are a lot more <laughs> interesting. And I have to remove than, those. I go yeah. through them regularly and clean out of the garbage that users have added. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Hey, real quick question. When you're talking about you know targeting you know the content stuff, how do you approach it from a B2B versus a B2C perspective in local? Is there much difference in the way that you approach them? Um, I know when it comes to B2B, it's easier to get um, things like reviews and links and stuff because you're dealing with business owners that understand why it's important. It's actually fine for B2B. A lot of times, some of these things are easier um, than trying to pull it from the average consumer. But overall, the strategies are really the same. Yeah. No, but the B2B people are not going to complain about lack of pool tables is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, they might be more willing to leave you a review, for example, than like a consumer would, right? So it's um, actually kind of, yeah, less headache. So how do you find the review management programs? I mean, Get Five Stars obviously is a great one. I really appreciate mm -hmm. Mike's work on that. Another one I know of is Nearby Now. Have you worked with that? Yeah, Nearby Now is really stellar. Um, so I love them both. And I think they both have really cool features. Where I think they kind of differ, I, I find Get Five Stars is really good if you have multi-location businesses. Um, you know, I know like Allstate uses them and they have mm -hmm. 13, 14,000 offices across the U.S. And they do an amazing job at um, using Get Five Stars and integrating it with their website. Where I think Nearby Now has a bit of an advantage is for service area businesses because it has a yeah. check-in feature, which is so cool. So the people can actually check in when they're at a job site and it creates this like awesome content that automatically feeds to your site and it really helps with ranking. So yeah. I, yeah. And, and, you know, I've seen various applications of that. One was uh, uh, where you would just put it on a review page. Another one where you would, which didn't seem to have as much power, like this is our reviews. Whereas another one was applying that to a uh, location page. We serve this area, a little bit information on this area, then the uh, nearby now content with the check-ins. Uh, so I'm going to pull you guys both back into the SEO 101 range here. Explain to our users, <laughs> our listeners, excuse me, what Thank you're you. talking about with these review management sites. What are they doing? For I did it again. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, both of them are platforms that allow you to ask your customers to leave you a review, but the review publishes onto your website, not on you know Google. And the benefit is that it there's a markup, like a code that, that gets added to your site so that when your site shows up in the search result, it has gold stars beside it. 
So typically you'd see these with like a Yelp listing. If you see Yelp showing up on Google anywhere, they usually have these gold stars and that's because they have this review markup. So that's one of the main benefits where it also helps is the fact that the reviews themselves are content. So I find that's really great for you, you get a business that's like, hey, I've got 15 towns and I really want to service these 15 towns. How do I rank for 15 towns? And instead of coming up with um, unique content for 15 different cities that isn't just a blanket copy and paste, <laughs> um, this is a way to automate it. And, you know, if the person is in Seattle, then they get a page that's all from the Seattle customers that talks about the different things that they purchased or did. And then if, you know, the person's in um, Kent, Washington instead, they would see the, the page that would have all the reviews from that person in, from people in Kent. Cool. So are there any other review management systems? I just mentioned a couple that you'd recommend or? Oh, there's so many. Um, I know Gradust is another one that's um, pretty popular. They've got some really cool free tools as well. There's one that like shortens the link to leave you a review. So if you're like emailing out customers and you want to send them a link to review you on Google, you can actually send them one that's pre-filled in the five stars <laughs> and <laughs> uh, things like that. But, um, but you're cool. They've got some really neat tools on their site. Um, but I'd say those are probably the main ones that I kind of hear okay. of. Cool. Um, what What are some of the things that a small business should ask when speaking to or hiring a local SEO? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is um, they should ask how the, the SEO company plans on measuring success. I think that's something I see that's done wrong the most. Um, I did an audit for a client the other day. And he had no conversion tracking set up whatsoever. So literally the only conversion that was tracking in analytics was if time on site was greater than one minute. And I was like, how is that a conversion? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's not a conversion. So number one thing, and like every small business, for the most part that I audit has this problem, like they're not tracking calls and they're not tracking form submissions and they're not even tracking it period, forget tracking it back to the source. So they have no way to measure what the ROI is from their investment. So the number one thing I put on my report is I have a revenue page and it's like, how much revenue did you make this month as a result of either SEO or pay-per-click? And it's a dollar amount that I use based on their closing ratio and the number of leads that they have, you know, times their lifetime value of the client. And I mean, that's what business owners need to ask people. Like how much money did I make because of you? <laughs> Not how many people did you bring to my website? Cause that's great. But like at the end of the day, if they didn't call you, or they didn't contact you in some way, then it's not of any value, in my opinion. How, how, how do you measure foot traffic? Because a, a lot of local search in particular is driving foot traffic to a business. So that's, yeah. that's it has an, is there an easy way to measure that? For sure, maybe I am with retail as much, so it's not, it's not as much of an issue for a lot of the business types I work with, but um, Google My Business does you know, show you how many driving direction requests you get. So that could be a, a metric that you could easily monitor that would tell you if that's increasing or doing that. Um, you know, and then you've got clearly like, the, you know, how did you hear about us type of thing? But um, I would say usually for the majority of the, the types of businesses I work for, they usually start with a phone call submission on the site. So, what about one of the things that frustrates me with dealing with a lot of the local SEO is I find uh, we deal with a lot of dentists, a lot of doctors and, and, and such, and and their front end staff, they try, but they don't do a great job of determining, they, they just can't, they're so busy of determining where the phone calls come from. I know Google Insights tracks 
So our, our, our local insights does track that info, but not perfectly. I mean, it only recently became somewhat accurate from what I understand from listening to Mike. Um, what do you do to, to try and make that more accurate? How much, you know, how much of the local SEO is actually sending business versus just normal phone calls? Yeah, so dynamic number insertion on the website. So that's mm. a fancy term, but it's basically where, you know, the phone number swaps on your website only if the person comes from a specific source. So I use calltrackingmetrics.com. I know CallRail is another really popular one that a lot of people use, but you can literally trace the phone call and say, like, did this call come because of organic or did it come because of pay-per-click? And then if you have call recording on, you listen to the first file, normally determine if it's a returning caller, like an existing customer or a new um, lead that's calling for some type of service or product. Without that, honestly, it'd be kind of like shooting in the dark. Well, because the problem is direct from Google my business, you know, Google local listings in mobile, let's say. So there's, they're not actually going to the website. Yeah. So there's obviously like, I always track the number of calls that come from Google, my business as well. Right. Those wouldn't see any type of. Um, so all you really have to go by there is the number of calls, but you can also gauge it by the, um, it shows you the searches. We'll show you how many are direct and how many are, I remember the term for it. It's like inquiry something. Direct right. searches are essentially like branded searches. So like someone that already knows your name and is searching for you by name. Yeah. Um, so I generally look at that as kind of an indication of like, you know, are you getting a lot of people just searching for your company because they already know about you? But yeah, you're yeah. right. It is challenging to track that um, specific. I guess it's good to know that there's nothing I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I not for those calls. Yeah. I was hoping. Hey. <laughs> You know everything, Ross. We know that. Oh, <laughs> You're not missing anything. So, so what about the people? Because I, because I know this happens when I talk to people all the time. Talk a little bit about how to deal with call tracking tied to that. Because a lot of a lot of businesses want to put their call tracking numbers in their in their my business profile mm -hmm. or citations because they want to track that. There's some there's some companies out there that'll be unnamed at the moment that actually will change that to call tracking so yep. they get credit for stuff. Can you talk yep. a little bit about that process and what does that do to you? Yeah, I, I worked with an agency a couple of years ago who basically had a nightmare when it came to um, NAP, name, address, phone number issues for their clients because they did work with dentists and they used tracking numbers and they just threw them up on the, the landing pages they would use for um, pay-per-click ads. And then those numbers ended up getting fed elsewhere and they just like, it was, it was insane. So in my kind of conclusion, whenever you're using a call tracking number that's actually visibly published somewhere, it's a little dangerous because it could feed out there and then create all these duplicate listings and things like that. Um, so my route usually is just to stick straight with dynamic number insertion on the site. And like, if you're worried, oh no, it's not going to, you know, um, pick up all the calls I'm getting from all these different directories. Let's be honest, the call volume you're getting from directories is probably not very high. <laughs> Yelp or a few other, you know, major ones. And those ones usually have their own metrics that you can log in and see. Like Yelp can tell you how many calls you got from your listing. So, you know, if you want to tell your clients, just log into Yelp. But the majority of the stuff is coming from Google or the website and you can combine the numbers for all that stuff to give your client a good idea of where it's coming from. Yeah, you know, brought up the directories and, and it's something I've always been curious of. And I imagine it's pretty prohibitive to try to track this, but how many do you think really are worthwhile? I mean, you go to the, any of these systems like Bright Local and stuff, and, and they're great systems, 
But, you know, when you're doing their uh, citation bursts and stuff, they start listing some pretty <laughs> unknown directories. Do you really think just the top ones are worthwhile and the rest of them, how much weight do they, would they, could they possibly have to Google? Yeah, like, honestly, I, I base a directory's value generally on how well that directory ranks. So, like, if you're in the legal space, Avo or, you know, Lawyers.com or um, Fine Law even, they rank really high on Google. So, you can get a lot of value in beefing up your listing there. Same with, you know, like Apple Maps. You know, anyone that has an iPhone is using Apple Maps. So, it's a really good idea to pay attention to your listing there. I think the data providers are super important and maybe the top 20. But above that, like, no, I, I don't think there's much value in claiming and correcting your listing on Hot Frog. <laughs> so, hot frog's a doozy come on <laughs> so, here, so so this might be a 201 question what about the the uh, gps systems getting your you know how have you seen any impact of those like getting listed in tom tom because i know it's important just from a perspective of making sure people can get to the business so i always try to include that as part of a local search package not necessarily for the ranking aspects but for the overall um you know making sure that you can be found aspect of a local search program right um apple maps kind of ties into that as well um, yeah no you're dead on like if it's a hotel or a restaurant then absolutely like gps matters a lot i feel like gps is a uh, not as much of an impact as it used to now that, you know, Google Maps has navigation and all that stuff like built right in. Um, but that being said, like if you're a business that gets a lot of foot traffic, then it's a huge value. I have not seen any studies or even found myself that it has any type of impact on your ranking on Google. Um, the only data providers, honestly, I found that have a direct data input to Google is Axiom and InfoUSA. Other than that, um, really the other ones, like it's not like Google would create a listing based on information they found on Apple. They, what they about don't. Canada? <laughs> You'll express update this here in Canada, but honestly for Canada, <laughs> it used to really be yellowpages.ca oh. that was like the main data provider to Google. I sad, right? Oh. Um, but yeah, they, they were the main ones. I mean, we used to see listings all the times that were created from yellow pages here in Canada. But yeah. um, I know that we're slowly getting some of the other ones, but Info USA, or I should say Express Update, is in Canada now. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, take oh, a quick break. We've got lots more questions here. I know we do uh, before we tie the show, so we'll be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Get educated and entertained by our panel of on-air experts and peers. And engage with us anytime by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. So you can reach us before and after every program. Located on our new social shareable live streaming player. Access the new Cranberry Radio live stream player at our website, cranberry.fm. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrands with a Z for eBrands. 
Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Welcome back to SEO 101 on Cranberry.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Today, we're interviewing Joey Hawkins, a Google My Business top contributor, owner of Sterling Sky, Inc., and creator of the Expert's Guide to Local SEO. So, <laughs> I, I didn't want to cut you off there, Johnny. Uh, you had a uh, yeah, I, I want to just I want to just get a little more about the, the these databases, um, just just to help our listeners understand what we're talking about there, right? So we talked about Axiom, we talk, talked about InfoGroup. Um, there's really four main ones that you know since since Newstar bought bought Locales, and I consider them Newstar. Really just four main ones. Can can, we, can you talk a little bit about what these databases are and how they impact local search? Yeah, so why they're important is because a lot of business directories actually pull information from one of those four to create their database. So, you know, if I'm starting up a business directory, not sure why I'd want to do that, but let's say I did, I would have to get data from somewhere. So I'd usually pull it from, you know, Axiom or pull it from InfoUSA to create my directory. And then, you know, I'd try and come up with some type of system for business owners to be able to claim and update the information. Um, but they're mainly the the main four that feed information to other places. I found um, local locally specifically is not a real big one when it comes to Google. Like I've never seen any evidence that Google really would change data based on them, but they are for um, Yelp and Apple. So um, and Bing, I guess as well. So I mean that's where it's it's important, but I've never seen a listing that matched data on locallys um, that got scraped or created by Google. We, I just love how you say Bing, I guess. That's pretty much what we say all the time, too. <laughs> Bing, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> one, of the, one of the biggest mix, misconceptions I get when I'm talking about these data systems to people is they the, these databases don't push out data to directories. Directories go to the databases and pull it on their yep. own schedule, right? So you might have top-tier sites like Google. Or, Which is never. <laughs> Which, yeah, but the top tier sites like Google will do it maybe a couple times a week. Second tier sites like Yelp or Foursquare, they might do it, you know, once or twice a month. But some of these smaller directories and some of these smaller places might do it once or twice a year. And people think, okay, you put this data in there and all of a sudden it's going to be updated everywhere. It takes a long time for that data to propagate out once you put it in there. Yes. And some directories never update it. Uh, there's lots of those. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Worked on one that literally never did it. They did the initial grab when they created the directory and then never updated it because it cost money to update it, right? So exactly, yeah. Um, but again, so, I think in that case, the value of having your information correct on that directory isn't very high if it's not a well-known directory. Very true. So, seeing as you are cutting edge, what happened today? <laughs> For our listeners, so what 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 happened today? I mean, I know you're on the, the forums a lot. Is there anything in the last couple of days uh, in local SEO? Yeah, um, 
Good thing you said local oh. SEO because I was thinking U.S. politics and I was about to explode. No, geez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Don't ask me about U.S. politics. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a couple things. Um, today, literally just today, Google started showing um, like little icons for people that are local guides. So when you pull up a business and you see all the reviews, people now that are local guides as well actually has the number of reviews beside it. So I think this is huge because I'm often when I'm like looking up a small business, I want to know, you know, read the reviews, but I don't really necessarily trust reviews from someone that's written one review as much as I would trust someone that's written, you know, hundreds. So I think that's going to be really huge to kind of push the local guides program. Mm-hmm. Um, really helpful mm-hmm. to users. And then also, you know, good for discrediting some of those fake reviews as well as he's got a disgruntled employee or a competitor that you feel like rated your business incorrectly. Um, so I think that'll be really cool. Um, I also spotted an ad either today or yesterday that was floating on Google Maps. So I was literally just browsing around on Google Maps and there was a purple icon with an ad on it plotted in the middle of the map. And it was related to my search, but it was not on the left-hand side in the panel or anything like that. It was literally just on the map. So I think that's the direction Google's going to go with ads, which is kind of neat. It, it sort of brings me to the question, how the heck do you catch all these Google tests? I'm seeing your stuff posted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's literally just what I have open in front of me all day. So, you know, I have businesses that are hiring me to do consultations and I'll be working on their accounts. And then you just, you notice things as you're working through stuff. So <laughs> I literally have the search results open in front of me all day long. Kind of helps, right? Yeah, no doubt. So John has a good question next year. Uh, yeah, so I guess uh, this is the thing, if you knew this, completely you make a billion dollars but what's <laughs> next right what's what are, what are you telling people to focus on in local seo what's the what what's the future here is it oh, reviews is it you know is there something new coming around the corner that we need to take be aware of yeah so i mean that's the other cool thing about being a top contributor is you do get to get on beta tests <laughs> so beta tests are awesome because you know they're something that's currently out there and available but not done. so there's a few of them out there right now for um, Google My Business that have been published on Search Engine Land in various places. Um, one of them is the Google Post beta, um, which is really cool. It's um, I think it's Google's way of trying to come back after Google Plus, but essentially oh. it allows business owners to publish directly onto the search results in the knowledge panel. So I'll kind of explain that, but like let's say you're Starbucks and um, you're in Seattle, and so someone searches like Starbucks Seattle and you get your knowledge panel on the right hand side for your store in Seattle, there's a little spot, I think it's like right above or below the review section where there'll be a post there. And you can highlight something like, hey, half price frappuccinos today, or, you know, drop by to get five extra stars if you spend five bucks or whatever, like you can actually make it promotional and link it to a page on your site. It's one of the coolest things that I've seen Google come out with in a while. And I'm really hoping they launch it this year. But I would be surprised if they didn't because of the feedback I've heard from anyone that's, that's using it. It's, it's just honestly one of the coolest features I've seen in a while. So that's, nice. that's what I think is coming next. So, so that's, that's, that sounds like an opportunity for SEOs and marketers in the space because a lot of businesses, you know, a small coffee shop manager may or may not have the time to, to do that if it launches. You know, if it's a daily update or a weekly update, it, it sounds like an opportunity for marketers more oh, almost it's than it's more than an opportunity for small business almost 
Yeah, marketers are going to eat it up because the posts only stay up for seven days. <laughs> so it's like, go. oh, if you're not regularly posting, guess what? <laughs> nothing's nothing's going to be there. <laughs> How long before they automate a feed into that? Yeah, oh, you know. geez. <laughs> there you go. There's like startup already on the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one other question that John put in here, which is a great one, is uh, I, I know Mike Blumenthal would have a field day with this one. How bad is local SEO spam these days? Oh, okay. oh. <laughs> I love that answer. I love that. You don't have to say anything else. I love that answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I published a guide uh, about a year or two ago called like, the, I think it's called the ultimate fight guide to fighting spam on Google maps or something along that line. It's one of the most visited pages on my website. And it basically talks about how to find spam, how to report it, how to get rid of it. Um, I spend a lot of hours each week finding and reporting spam. Um, I actually have businesses that hire me to do that <laughs> because they can't survive because their competitors are just stuffing keywords in their business name or creating fake listings um, that rank outrank them. You know, they're using fake addresses like UPS stores and stuff. Mm. Um, kind of answer your question. It's terrible. It's, it's, I would say like just as bad as it was years ago, maybe worse, kind of hard to evaluate that. But um, we see it day in and day out for tons of industries, any service area business is most likely going to have, you know, competitors that have fake listings. Lawyers are notorious for keyword stuffing spam and creating, you know, dozens of listings for the same firm with different names, different keywords. Um, so yeah, it is a real problem. And I think it's also a really good way for marketing companies to um, help the business owners they're working with by actively reporting spam, because I've seen cases where clients will move up overnight because I got rid of people that were outranking them that should not have been there. So, so talk to our listeners a bit about if they find some spam, what do they do about it? How do they report it? What's yeah, the process? So I go into like a really big detail uh, in the guide because it's kind of depending on what it is. Um, if it's just keyword stuffing, for example, you know, let's say you've got like best personal injury lawyer Chicago as the business title and the real name of the firm is like Smith and Smith. Um, you would want to submit an edit on Google Maps, you know, to correct the business name. A lot of people incorrectly report the listing as spam. And unfortunately, that will just result in your edit because that's actually an edit to remove the listing, which Google's not going to remove it. So kind of understanding how Maps editing works is a really key thing to having any success. Um, but that being said, sometimes the Google moderators that look at the edits, I feel like they don't know how to properly identify spam either. <laughs> so I... <laughs> don't necessarily leave it to the Google moderators, you know, make sure you're reviewing other people's edits and making your own edits and trying to build up your trust profile so that your edits start publishing faster. Um, Because if you build up enough authority, your edits can go through a lot, like a huge majority of the time, but it takes a long time to get to that point where you Mm -hmm. can actually edit like dozens of listings and have almost all of your edits go through right away. Um, But it's worth, it's worth the fight to get there. So I, I had an issue a while ago with a client that drove me up the wall dealing with Google. It was a, uh, a fairly popular hotel. And uh, for some reason, uh, when you went to uh, just do a search for that hotel, even when they Google their knowledge graph or knowledge panel would come up and it showed an image of a dumpy house next door. And <laughs> this dumpy house was being delivered by a Russian website Oh my um, that for some reason Google thought was authoritative. So I contacted Google and I said, you know, what the hell? 
this is a, this 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 is a good company, and this is looking really bad. Fix this. Well, of course, well, we'll talk to our engineers. They get back to me and they said, "I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. You have to consult the site to have it changed." I was just speech. Well, I was. I'd say speechless, but I had a few words for them. I couldn't believe yeah. it. I think it's about six episodes back. You can hear the whole twenty minutes of him. <laughs> I read a little bit. <laughs> I would venture to say that you were given incorrect information because I've had tons of cases where we got rid of photos that were inappropriate or incorrect that didn't belong to the business. Um, The problem that I run into when I hear stories like that is that usually the person is dealing with either phone support or email support over in India. And there is a big difference in the quality of the support you get from Google (laughs) My Business depending on which office you get. So if you want to deal with the Mountain View office where the people are, I find, much more educated and knowledgeable about Google's policies, use Twitter or Facebook support. Google My Business has a Facebook page and they have a Twitter account. Um, And the support there is uncomparable to what you get calling in. Um, (laughs) I have not used phone support in almost two years, ever since they came out with Twitter support. And I will never, never go back. I'll never call them. Like, I I just won't. Um, Because, yeah, you run into cases like that. And we get that all the time on the forum. Like people are like, I don't get it. Google told me this. And I'm like, that's wrong. And then I'll escalate it to, you know, a Google employee and get the correct answer. <laughs> I wish I'd recorded it. I, I wasn't swearing or anything, but I was just, I, it, how do you, how do you even put it into words? You're like, you're Google. Of course you can control it. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that can be uh, fixed. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh Okay. Well, what would you, is there anything you'd like to tell our audience before uh, we, we cap off the show here? Um, Where can no, they find you? Basically, I'm on, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm pretty active on there. So my Twitter handle is Joanne Hawkins. Um, website is sterlingsky.ca. And my column on Search Engine Land um, is probably where I'd say the majority of the articles I put out on Google My Business and stuff, um, they get a lot of readership there. So um, those articles are great to check out if you ever want to learn more. Perfect. John, anything you'd like to add? No, no, this has been great. I think it's been yeah, really helpful for our listeners. Yes, I'm so glad you could come on, Joy. So uh, on, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local, and our guest, Joy Hawkins, creator of the Expert's Guide to Local SEO, thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 on Google. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on cranberry.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 